Hey, 2 Kings 5 is where we're going to be this morning. We are uh, into our second week of this beautiful series called Hidden Heroes. And the concept behind it is there are many people in the Bible that you don't hear of often. And yet they made a significant impact. And most of them, we don't even know their names. Randall started us off last week with Barnabas. And we're going to talk about this unnamed servant girl in 2 Corinthians 5, a little girl with a great God. And uh, she's one of my favorite characters because of what we get to learn from her. In 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Kings 5, we're going to read just the first four verses because we're not going to go into the whole story. But if you would like to catch up on the whole thing, just read throughout that chapter. 2 Kings 5, the first couple of verses here says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. Now Naaman, he was quite a guy. Like, so it tells us here he was a captain, he was a great man, he was honorable, he was mighty, and it also says he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, thus and thus saith the maid that is in the land of Israel. Now we have in this story two main characters thus far, and there's more characters as we, as we would read on. But you have two different individuals here with very different backgrounds, very different motives. You have Naaman and a slave girl. Naaman was an adult, male, free, in a powerful position. He was powerful, but he was a leper. And if you know much about that disease of leprosy, it, it, in those days especially, it was such a feared disease. There's two main kinds of leprosy. We don't know which one that he had, but at the very least, leprosy deadens your uh, sensations in your nerves and can begin to eat away parts of your body, and, and it just creates huge sores, and it, and it and it's very contagious, they thought, and, and so it has the potential of ruining your life. So, so he was... He was powerful, but he was a leper. Now, what's, what's so striking to me is in verse 1, you have all of these accolades, and then, it, and then it finishes that verse with five words, but he was a leper. And we're not going to get into it very deeply here, but, but we all have a but. We all have a but. We can be great. We can have our whole life together, but all of us have something in our life that we struggle with. Take that any way you want it, but we all have a but. Think about that next time you sit down, right? We all got something. And I don't care how put together your life is. I don't care. You look at another couple and they just seem like they are rocking it. You look at another individual and they seem to be really successful at life. Everybody has a but. We all have something that we're struggling with. His was leprosy. He had everything in life. He was the most powerful person in the army. Like he was the general, mighty man of valor, accolades, but 
He had a butt. He had leprosy. And then you have this, this young female slave, probably the most powerless position you can have in the culture of that day was being female and being a slave. So she was powerless and nameless for that matter, but had a great God. And what I love so much about this story is it shows us that God delights in using the weak to help the strong. Paul reminds us of that. Listen to this encouragement from Paul in the New Testament in his letter to the Corinthians, the first book, the first chapter. He says this, but God hath chosen. That's intentional. The foolish things of the world to confound the wise and God hath chosen. The weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. God wants it to be 100% God. And when we rely on our own great skills or when we are proud of our own great abilities, it takes away from the one who really deserves all of the honor. And that's God himself. And anytime you're looking at yourself and you're thinking, hey, I've got it all together or I'm really good at this, nope, there's nothing wrong with being good at something. Just make sure that you put all of the credit where it, where it is due and that's the person who gave you that ability and that's God himself. And we see God woven into the fabric of this entire story. And this little maid that we don't even know what her name is knew that there was a God that could help her master. And this became quite a production. So Naaman, so, so then someone goes and tells Naaman, and Naaman goes to his king, Ben-Hadad, and, and you have to understand that, that the Armenians, the, the, the Arameans, I'm sorry, and the Israelites had been at war for about 150 years is how long they had gone. And, they, and, and it wasn't like a, a big kingdom versus another kingdom. The, the Arameans were like a, a broken up band of different nomadic tribes that would get together and go raid Israel. And then Israel would try and get things back. And it was this 150-year struggle. And so Ben-Hadad writes a letter to Joram, the king of Israel at the time, and says, hey, I'm sending over my general to, so that y'all can heal him. And this becomes this big production. And letters were written and expectations were given. Uh, money was, was committed. Like it says further on down the chapter that there were 750 pounds of silver, 600 pounds of gold. Today, that'd be about $15 million. The king sent with Naaman to go get his general healed. So there's a little pressure here. Ben-Hadad put Joram on the spot. And Joram says, what, I can't heal this guy. Is he trying to start a war? Because if I send him back unhealed, then we're gonna have a conflict here. But Naaman is healed of his leprosy. It's a great story. And he becomes a believer in God to the point where, where he actually takes so much soil back with him from Israel. He loads down two donkeys with soil. I didn't know that was a measurement, but it's two donkeys worth. <laughs> so he takes two donkeys worth of soil back with him so that he can spread the soil out and build an altar to God. And he says this, now I know that there is no God but the God of Israel. It's a great story. 
But the spark of this whole story was this maid. And we don't know much about her. I mean, I just read everything that we've been told about her. But from this story, we see a hidden hero that rises to the top. And we can learn a few things about this unnamed, virtually unknown girl. The first thing we know about her was she was a slave. Her life was less than ideal, right? This is not how she planned her life to be. I'm sure she had no intention of being a slave when she was a little girl. She's not much older than that now. Most of the commentaries that I read, they assume that she's probably in her early teenage years at best. But her little community was was raided by the Arameans and they had taken her from her family and placed her in the service of the enemy. Now, I don't know how she got the position she was in being a handmaid to Naaman's wife, but it was a pretty good position for a slave. But you're still a slave. But here's what, here's what I want to learn from this. It was where she was in life that created this opportunity. Her slavery and everything that happened to her brought her to a place where she could help Naaman and his family and these kings in this situation. I don't know why that happened to her, just like I don't know why that happened to you. And I don't know why it is happening to you. And I don't know why you are where you are in life, but here you are. And I'd like to be able to give you an explanation that this is why all this has happened to you. And this is why they have done that. And this is why you are where you are. And you being where you are can choose to blame somebody for where you are. You can, you can hide and not do anything about where you are. You can, you can even retaliate if you want to. Like you could, you could do whatever you can to get back at whoever might be responsible for where you are in life. Or you can use your position in life to show off God. She had terrible things happen to her. She was not where she wanted to be, but she was where she needed to be in order to say what she needed to say so God could do what God was gonna do. Can I say that again? She was where... She needed to be so that she could say what she needed to say so God could do what God wanted to do all along. Now, here's what's crazy to me, right? We think of Israel as being the people of God, and yet God has placed this maid in their enemy's household so that she could tell him about this God that's in Israel. And God had no problem healing this heathen Aramean. Who, if you continue reading in Kings, it's not like the Arameans were like, oh good, let's stop hurting the Israelites. No, like a couple chapters later, they're invading the Israelites again. What's up with that, God? I don't know, maybe God likes everybody. And maybe God has you where you are in life. 
even as a slave or even as, an, as whatever undesirable situation you may be in, in order for him to be able to do something because you are where you are. Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter one, he had gone through a lot of trials and he had been imprisoned and he saw it as an opportunity, even, <laughs> even in prison and in the court system, to be able to present God to people who would likely have never heard about him. He says this in Philippians chapter one, 12 and 13. I want you to know, brothers, this is the English standard version. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And if you read through some of the stuff that happened to Paul, it wasn't desirable. But he's saying, I went through all of that and I am where I am now so that the gospel could be heard where I am. So here's, here's another thing. Maybe God has you where you are, not because of what it can do for you, but because of what he can do for them. I know that's hard for us to hear. And I'm not saying that's the only reason God has you where you are experiencing what you are experiencing. But what I'd love to do is kind of refresh our mind and realize that God is working in a lot of other people's lives as well. And maybe God has you where you are because of what he can do for them. Not saying that, that, that goodness won't happen to you. And I'm, saying, I'm not saying that good can't come out of this for you. I'm not God. I don't know that. But the truth of the matter is, there has got to be some good that comes out of it. And maybe the good is for you. But maybe the good is for somebody else too. Maybe it's, maybe it's what God can do for somebody else. And we won't know that right now. We may not know that in this lifetime. We may get to heaven and do a hand slap on the forehead and say, man, I wish I would not have gotten so aggravated about that. I wasted so much emotional energy when God knew all along that that's what it was for. Can I just say this? If you knew what God knows, you would do what God is doing. Please hear that. But because you don't know what God knows, you feel like it's gotta be wrong because it's not what you would do. And this is not a pass for everybody else in your life that's acting like a donkey. Whew. That was close. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't mean that it's a pass for everybody in your life that's a jerk. I'm just saying, let's just, let's just center ourselves in God's will here and say, all right, I don't, I don't think that this is exactly making God happy how this person's behaving but I'm not responsible for them. And I probably can't do much to change them. So let me figure out what I'm supposed to do in my life right now. She was a slave and she saw her position as an opportunity to brag about the God that she served. As a young girl. So we know that she was a slave. Second of all, we know that she cared for her captors. 
even though she was an Israelite living in a Gentile heathen home, even though he was unclean in every sense of the word, not only was he not an Israelite, but he was a leper. She wanted him to be healed. I love this. She was unselfish with the goodness of God. Like she was okay with God being good to him. What? Like, like she was an Israelite who was taken from her family and put into service for the enemy and she still wanted good to happen to this guy. Now, now we're gonna, I believe this, that she probably developed a relationship with these people that was positive. And as I said, I, I know she was a slave, but it was not a bad role for her to have. Like she probably lived pretty well in her position as the handmaid for Naaman's wife. But she saw this as an opportunity to bring goodness into their life. Don't forget that God loves them as much as he loves you, right? And God's pulling for them as much as he's pulling for you. I know you think, and I know, I know we tend to think that God should do better by us because of our choices or our behavior and because we don't act like they act. But the truth of the matter is God's pulling for them too. Just like he's pulling for you. And she was okay with God's goodness being shared with this heathen, Gentile, general. And that slave girl actually desired good for this Aramean. In fact, I believe this, it was her relationship that caused her to be heard. Like I think it was how she interacted with them on a regular basis that caused them to listen to what she had to say. I feel like, and I don't, I mean, you see how much we've been told, all right? So this may be presumptuous, presumptuous. I'm guessing. But I think her relationship qualified her to have influence. I think that her relationship gained her access to their heart so that they would listen to what she had to say. In fact, somebody else heard what she said and went and told Naaman. So there must have been a relationship there to where they gave some credibility to her suggestion. I think this is where most of us miss the heart of God. And I don't know where you land politically. I don't know where you land socially. I don't know where you stand in all of this. But I want to caution us who think we are right not to miss the heart of God in the matter. Whatever your position is, whatever your issue is, we tend to focus on our rightness and their wrongness rather than his love for them. God so loved that he proved us wrong. <laughs> God so loved that he gave. He knew we were wrong. But he sacrificed and he gave and he dwelt among us to win us back to himself. Your rightness 
won't replace the compassion we should have for them. Here's, here's a little thought. You might know the answer, but do they care? The, the real question is here, do you care, right? So you, you may be right. All right, let's just, let's just go ahead and qualify. You are right. Let's just say that, that you are, you've done the research. You're right about their decision being wrong or their position being wrong, all right? You might know the answer, but do they care that you are right? Do they, do they care that, that, you, <laughs> you have, that you're the right one, right? Most people don't. But there's something unmistakable about feeling loved. And if you feel like that person really cares for you, you're willing to, to listen a little better. And there are people who I am, in many ways, very different in our belief systems. And the, the, the thing is, like, like, I have respect for them and they have respect for me even though we believe differently. And I, I, can, I, can, I can argue them and, and we'll get there. Like, I, I, they'll get, they'll correct one day. <laughs> but until that happens, don't I want to have a voice? Don't I want them to know that I care about them? And I do. And I think that that's what we're missing so often. Because you can know the truth and you can be right, but don't we actually want to make a difference? Like, don't we really want to be Jesus to them? Don't we actually want to help? So how do we improve the likelihood that they will listen to you? This is not even in your notes. This is free. But how do we improve the likelihood that somebody that you love will listen to you? Like, you're right, you know you are. How do we improve the likelihood? She spoke and they were ready to hear. Like, like if, if she had been captured and she immediately started saying, you people need my God and you need to go see it, they wouldn't have. But when they needed to hear about this God, that's when she spoke. So she spoke when they needed to hear. Not only that, she spoke with great respect. She called him Lord with a little L, right? She said, oh, that my Lord, talking about Naaman, could go see Elisha. She spoke when they needed to hear. She spoke with great respect and she spoke with great compassion. Would God, my Lord, could go see this prophet? Like there was, there was some depth there. She really wanted this to happen for them. She wasn't like, sucks to be you. Too bad for you. She really wanted what was best for them. She wasn't trying to be proven right. She was trying to help. As a reminder, could I read these words of the Apostle Paul from 1 Corinthians 13? We call it the love chapter. We skip over the first three verses a lot of times. But listen to the importance that compassion has. The, the, the King James uses the word charity. 
A lot of other translations just use the word love, but the word charity is the word agape. It's a love that involves action. It's a, it's a, it's a service kind of a love. It's not just like, hey, I love you. No, it's like, I love you enough to sacrifice and give. And so here's what he says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, right? You know it all. And though I have all faith, wait a minute, like I can have all faith? Like I could move mountains? Yeah, that's what he says, so that I could remove mountains. And have not charity, I am nothing. So you can know it all, you can believe it all, you can speak well, but if you have not charity, if you don't love well, it's not amounting to much. This is remarkable. He says this, and though, check out the sacrifice, I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Like I get rid of everything I have to give it away. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. That's how important it is to express this type of love to the people. So, so she was a slave. She cared for her captives. And finally, she was courageous. So you have, you have the ability to be in the right place at the right time. Now what? So opening her mouth was a big deal. Taking this step had to be scary for her trusting God. Because what if God hadn't healed him? It took a lot of courage. Your life has helped prepare you for the calling on your life. You may not feel it because your life feels so ordinary. Like you just get up, go to work, come home, eat a meal, watch Netflix, Kiss goodnight, go to bed. Like your, your life feels very ordinary, but your life that you have lived has prepared you to do what God has called you to do. You don't feel it because you just think everything is so normal and so ordinary. Well, how much more ordinary do you get than being a slave? How in the world could she have thought that that phrase, would God that my Lord could go see Elijah, how, how was she to know the impact of that comment. Whatever it is you can do for Jesus, you can do for Jesus. Because doing something great starts with doing what you can. So I don't know what step you need to take. Like what, what is it in your life that you're like, yeah, I really feel that's what God wants me to do. I need to say that to that individual. I need to, I need to give that to that cause. I need to invest some time in this. What God put before her to do was doable. It was within reach, but it took courage to make it happen. And so it is for you. Whatever God has for you to do, whoever he has placed in your life to share the good news with is something you can do, but it does take courage and you might be nervous. But that's faith. And your faith is the trigger for great things to happen. So notice this. We'll finish with this. Notice this, that her message was a message of hope. 
and so is yours. So I don't know what it is God is calling you to share. But this family needed hope. Naaman needed hope. His wife needed hope. And she spoke hope into that situation. She gave them hope. She says, I I know a guy. I know how this can be taken care of. There was no condemnation, only hope. She didn't say, you wicked man, if you didn't live such a wicked lifestyle, maybe God would help you. The disease that you have is some kind of judgment from the Lord, I'm sure of it. No condemnation. She only gave him hope. I wish you could meet Elijah. Because Elijah would, would, would be able to speak to his God and help you. Her message was a message of hope. She said, I wish you knew Elisha. So let me ask you that. Who needs your message of hope this morning? I mean, we are in a divisive world right now, right? It's like we are looking for things to get upset about. We want to boycott everything. It's like we're looking for ways to show how right we are. And I'm not saying we shouldn't stand for something. That's, that's between you and the Lord. What I am saying is that, is that it may not be our job to prove to everybody how right we are. It might be our job to love everyone well. And I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying you're voiceless. I'm not saying that you can't stand up for anything. I'm just saying consider maybe what God wants you to do in this situation. She was a slave, and yet she cared for her captives. And she took the courageous step of giving them this message of hope because she was in the right place at the right time. And whatever it is God has for you to do, that's the message we're supposed to, that's, that's why it's called the good news. It's good. That's how it ought to be treated. And every single one of us can make a list of people that we interact with on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, that needs that good news of Jesus Christ. That's our world. That's the family that God has put into our life. Draw, draw a couple circles, like tree rings, around your most intimate people you, de- you interact with every day. Those people who are closest to you and then maybe one step away, those are the people that God has placed in your life to share the good news with. And I don't know where you are in life, and I don't know why all this happened to you, but God has put you in a position to be able to share that message of hope with them. Take some courage. It might take a brain shift to see that God has put you in this position for a reason. But that's what I love about this girl. She was the spark that ignited the faith of Naaman. And if you read through the story, like as an aside, he got about 
really irritated with the prophet for telling him to do what he was told to do. And there was another slave that was with him that told him, just do what, what the prophet says. And God put another person, and he did, and he gets healed. And these people were so instrumental in this general coming to know God. And I think that's our role, is so that this world can see Jesus and be introduced to the good news of Jesus Christ, a message of hope. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for these characters in the scriptures that educate us and encourage us to take a step of faith and trust you to use our lives in great ways. I wish I knew the, I wish, I wish I knew the answer. I wish I knew why people had to go through difficulties. Like, I don't even have the answer. God, I know that, that you are in charge, and if we were you, we would be doing what you are doing. And help us to trust you and help us to look at our position as an opportunity to bring a message of hope to the world that you have caused to revolve around us. And help us to be that for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.